And the title of this series is called Dream On, and I'll explain that here in a little bit. But um, I just want to talk about your dream, your vision, maybe um, something that God deposited into your spirit maybe years ago, and you're wondering, God, where's this, where's this dream at? Where's this vision that you gave me? You know, some would say, well, you know, I really don't have one. I would say, yes, you do, because you have a purpose, right? If God didn't have a purpose for you, you wouldn't be on earth today. God has a purpose for you, and everyone has one. God's given it to us, and uh, sometimes they kind of get lost. Sometimes they kind of get buried. Sometimes we just kind of wonder if it's ever going to come to pass. Today we're going to talk about that today and next week, and hopefully um, maybe stir up that dream, that vision, that call that God has on your life to continue to know that um, if God said it, it will come to pass. Amen. And um, so the story, just just let me give you a little backdrop here. Um, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 25, and um, we'll put it up on the screen. I'll talk about it. But in 1 Samuel chapter 25, the Bible talks, Bible tells us that um, they have gathered at a funeral. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, has died. Go ahead and put it up. Samuel has died, and um, all of Israel has gathered for the burial of this great and mighty man, Samuel. And I'm going to talk, Shannon, so you just walk through it with them. And David is at this funeral as well. And um, Samuel has played a significant role in David's life. And it's going to mean something to David. There's a reason David's there and the, the, the feelings that David is experiencing during this time. Well, the Bible says that David went to the wilderness of Param. And in that uh, wilderness time, there's a man by the name of Nabal. The Bible said he's, he's really just this rude, crude, mean, mean-spirited man. And um, David's men are there, and they're taking care of Nabal's men during the time of shearing the sheep. A lot of times, thieves, robbers would come, and they would, they would steal from the, the sheep shearers, and they would take things from them. And so David was just, no one asked him to do it. He just did it. It was an act of kindness. And he's offering protection to Nabal. Well, then David comes back and he says, you know what? He said, you know, our men were good to you. We protected you. We kept you. We kept the enemy from you. And uh, we're kind of at a struggling point in our life. And we need some food. We need some water. Uh, Nabal was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. He just asked if he, he would be willing to give and help David's men out. Nabal's reply was, you know, who does David think that he is? He's this rebellious man who has left Saul. He's on the run from Saul. And he really starts to run David down, really starts to talk bad about him. And so David's men come back and they said, well, we asked him, and this is what Nabal says. He said, you know, he just goes through that report again. And so this is where David's at in verse number 13. He says, get your swords, this was David's reply, as they strapped, as he strapped his on as well, 400 of them started off with David and 200 men remained behind. So David is going to get revenge. David is saying, okay, we helped you, we protected you, we supported you. All we asked was for you to just feed us and to give us some water. And David is going to take Nabal, his servants, 
his family. He's going to take them out. This is where he's at. So we're going to pick that story up, but let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you and we praise you for this opportunity to be here today. I pray that you would speak to us. Use me as a conduit for your glory and your honor. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. There's a difference from being anointed for a position or a task and being appointed. As a matter of fact, anointed and appointed go hand in hand. So in other words, God will call you to something. And whenever God calls you to, he anoints you for that purpose. Um, as a matter of fact, you, if, if it's a God thing, a God call, God purpose, you will not be able to fulfill the purpose without God's anointing resting on your life. And I say it this way, it's really God's super coming on our natural that enables us to do supernatural things, things that we could not do within our own strength, within our own ability. So that's the anointing of God. It's the Holy Spirit enabling us, empowering us. It's his nature, it's his character working through us. So you can be anointed for something, but you have to understand there's an appointed time for the anointing in your life. God has a divine appointment for what we've been anointed for. Now, just track with me. Let, me. let me get us up to this point here. So, we know that appointments are set by dates, they are set by time, and they are set by places, right? Someone says, I want to meet with you. They're going to give you a date. They're going to give you a time, and they're going to give you a place. Well, the purpose of God has a date to it, has a time on it, and has a place that goes with it, all right? I know that because Acts chapter 17 and verse 26 tells us that. It says this, And he has made from one blood, going all the way back to Adam, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Here it is. God has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries and their dwellings. You didn't pick your parents. God did. You didn't pick the day and time you were going to be born. God did. Um, your parents, grandparents, whomever, happened to be at a certain place, and that's where you were born, uh, birthed into. I happen to believe that, that there are places um, geographically that God assigns us to that we thrive in that place more than any other place. You can operate in your calling, you can operate in your gifting in other places, but there is a divine place that God has assigned for your life. And if you find that place, it's like the sweet spot. It's that place where, where everything your hands touch turns to gold. Everything you do, it prospers. You can, you can look at it this way. You can go back to the garden. That was the assigned place that God had for Adam. That was the assigned place that God had for man. And when Adam was in that assigned place, it was a sweatless work. Adam still had to work. Adam still had to do things. But because he was in the assigned place that God had for him, it was a sweatless work. Everything he did prospered. The minute Adam was removed from that assigned place, it became difficult for him. The same things that Adam was doing in the garden, he was doing outside of the garden. 
He was a keeper. He was a, he was a keeper of the ground. Only this time it was more difficult for him. So I'm just trying to get you to see that, that when God appoints you to something, there's usually a place that God appoints you to. I've experienced that in my life. I've experienced that in pastoring. Um, I've been able to pastor in other places. I've been able to pastor uh, in other cities. But I can tell you this, just from experience and just by knowing, I'm in my sweet spot right here. This is my sweet spot right here. Okay, I know that. Um, And not that it's not work because it is. Not that it's not... Um, uh, hard at times because it is. But in this place, I understand that this is the pre-appointed place that God has for me. This is the area that God has placed me in, all right? And so, so God has anointed me for this time and for this place. Now, let's pick that up and understand that God has anointed LifePoint Church for this time and this place, right? He's anointed us for this time and this place. And um, I tried to make that happen earlier in my ministry. And whenever you take matters into your own hands, you're really just, you're really just starting to, oh, goodness, <laughs> make a mess for yourself. And then you have to ask God to come back and clean up your mess, right? And so it's much more beneficial if you'll just wait on God and trust God that at the right time, he'll put you in the right place to do what he, so that you can do what he's called you to do. Amen? And so, so, you know, that's the struggle that a lot of us face. And we all go through this struggle of time, place, appointment, anointment, all of those types of things. Because many of you realize and know, I'm, you know, you, you realize I'm anointed for this. In other words, God's called me for this. I know and I'm just speaking generically right now. I know God has called me to do this. I know God has anointed me. I know his hand. I heard God speak to me. I know God said this was going to happen. I know that it was going to take place. But the frustration many times is you're not seeing the manifestation of the promise that God has spoke to you. In other words, you have the revelation, but you have not experienced the manifestation of it yet. You, you just know that this is what God said, but for some reason, it's not coming to pass. And, and you have to keep in mind, there is an appointed time for all things. Just look at your neighbor and tell them it's just time. Come on, just tell them it's just time. That's all it is. It's, it's just time. Even Jesus came to this earth at a certain time. Galatians 4 and 4 says, in the fullness of time. In other words, God had a time in which Jesus would come to the earth. And he came with purpose. In the fullness of time, Jesus came to this earth. Micah 5 and 2 prophesied the place in which he would come. Micah said that he would come to Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem, right? So there was an appointed time and an appointed place, and he had a purpose for coming to this earth. The purpose, obviously, was to redeem us back to him. So when his mother came to him and said, Jesus, we need you to do something. We're out of wine at this wedding. What did Jesus tell her? It's not my time. So Jesus understood, I'm anointed. I have a purpose. I'm here for a reason. But I'm also, I also understand there's a time in which there's an appointment in which I will begin to operate and fulfill the purpose that God has for my life. 
And we understand that that happened here, and that happened in Jesus' life. And the same is true with us. And this is where David, this is where David is in the appointment process. He's attending the funeral of Samuel. And as David watches Samuel being placed in the tomb, in his mind, they are not just burying the spiritual giant uh, that Samuel was, but in David's mind, they're also burying his dream, his destiny, his prophecy. All of those things are being buried with Samuel. After all, it was Samuel who was the one who called David. It was Samuel who was the one who anointed David. It was Samuel who was the one who prophesied over David when David was a young man and anointed him and said, you are going to be the next king of Israel. No one else even saw that. Even David's own father didn't recognize the anointing and the calling and the gifting that was on his life. Not everybody is able to discern the gifting and the call and the purpose that God has for your life. But I will tell you this, there is someone who recognizes the call, the gifting, and the purpose that God has to, on your life, and that someone will show up in your life, and they will speak to that anointing, they will speak to that calling, they will speak to that gifting, and what they are doing is they're beginning to stir up that gift, stir up that calling, and stir up that purpose that God has for your life. It's almost like a deposit, and it's almost like they're coming to reaffirm and confirm what you're already sensing and feeling in your heart. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? They're just confirming what you've already sensed and felt in your heart. And so Samuel prophesies, anoints him with oil and says, you're going to be the next king over Israel. So when they placed Samuel in the tomb, David's dreams and prophecies were laid to rest with him. But what David didn't realize is this, that anything that comes from the kingdom of God Anything from God dies first. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, what did Jesus say? He said, unless a grain or unless a seed falls to the earth and goes into the ground and dies, it cannot, it cannot bear or it cannot produce fruit. So in other words, we have to die to self. We have to die to our own will. We have to die to our own ways. We have to die to our own dreams in order to embrace God's dream and God's will for our life. But here's the thing we need to understand. Even if it's buried, even if it's buried beneath the surface and we don't see it anymore, and it's not tangible right now, we have to understand that God has a way of making a womb out of a tomb. Yes, he does. So it becomes really the incubator in which God uses for the rebirthing of the promise that he has for your life. So just because Samuel was leaving the earth, just because David felt in his mind his dream, his prophecy, his vision was being buried with it, didn't mean that it was, that it was going to be gone forever. It was just a season in which God was preparing David for the dream that God had for his life to be resurrected. I just want to tell somebody this morning, even though you think that dream is gone, even though you think that dream is over, I want you to know it will resurface at some time and some point in your life. If it is of God, it will live again. Because nothing in God dies because God is a God of the living and not the dead. Amen.
So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that immediately after this, David went down to the wilderness of Paran. Paran means to wonder, it means to speculate, and it means to doubt. So this is the, not only is this the physical location of David, but I also believe it's the mental state of David. I believe it's the mind, the state of mind that David finds himself in because he's beginning to question the appointment of God. He's beginning to question whether or not this promise of God is ever going to come to pass in his life. David also knew that the passing of Samuel would cause Saul to pursue him even more. It was almost as though, and you can read about this, it was almost as though as long as Samuel was, was on the earth, that it was some type of restraint against Saul. You know the story, right? Saul was coming against David because Saul saw David as a threat to the kingdom. Saul saw David as a threat to his position. And so Saul turns on David and begins to pursue David and tries to kill David. But as long as Samuel was there, it's almost as though Saul had some sort of restraint in his life. But now Samuel is removed and now Saul increases, uh, increases his effort to come against David and come to attack him. In other words, he turns up his pursuit against David. Now, whenever you and I, let's just go this way. Whenever we start to drift, whenever we mentally go to this place called Param, when we begin to wonder and when we begin to lose sight of the appointment, the vision, the dream, the purpose, the destiny that God has for our life, the enemy knows that we're entering into a weak place. The enemy doesn't attack us when we're on the mountaintop. The enemy doesn't attack us where we're in that where we're in that sweet spot with God. He doesn't attack us when everything's working in our life, when everything's going good in our life, because he knows our faith is at a is at a high at that time. So the enemy waits for us to get to weak moments in our life. He waits for us to get to moments in our life where we begin to waver on the promises of God and the blessings of God and the dream that God has uh, uh, placed in our hearts. He, he's looking he's looking at our life to see. Is there an ounce of doubt in their life? Are they starting to not believe the promise of God? And when he senses that there's doubt, and when he senses that there's unbelief in our life, that's when the enemy turns up the heat in his pursuit of us. When we enter that season of wondering, God, did this, did you really say this? God, is this ever going to begin to happen in my life? When you and I begin to question and we begin to doubt and we allow unbelief to enter our life, that's when the enemy says, I got him on the run, I got him on the ropes, and he starts to unleash an all-out assault against us. And this is where we have to keep our faith, and this is where we have to stand firm and believe that God is going to see us through, and that the promise of God is yes and amen. Now watch this, because I'm going to give you something here that will help us. When Jesus was um, baptized by John, right? John baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the Jordan River. The Spirit of God drives Jesus into the wilderness. While he is in the wilderness, the Bible said that the enemy came to tempt him. Why? Because the enemy shows up when we're in our wilderness, when we're in that place where we're, you know, we're isolated, we're by ourselves. And so the enemy comes and he tempts Jesus. And this is what he tempts Jesus with. He tempts him to try to get him to doubt 
what God had just spoken concerning his life. This is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Well, what's the first thing the enemy asked Jesus? If you are the son of God. In other words, okay, let's see if you really believe this. Then why don't you turn these stones into bread? In other words, why don't you perform? Perform for me, prove to me that you are the son of God. How many of you know we don't have to prove and perform anything that the enemy is trying to get us to do, right? We don't have to prove our sonship to our adversary. We are who we are because God said we are. We are his son and his daughter because that's who God has called us to be, right? And there's nothing that we can do and there's nothing that the enemy can say that's ever going to change that. We are the children of God. That's who we are. And so... So the enemy is trying to place doubt and unbelief in Jesus' mind. Well, this is why it's important that the Word of God dwell richly on the inside of us so that when the temptation comes, and it will, the Word of God has to be so in us that when those thoughts come our way, we need to combat those thoughts with God's Word. In other words, we need to go back to whatever it is. Maybe it's a scripture. Maybe it was a promise in your prayer time that God whispered in your spirit and said, this is what I'm going to do. Trust me in it. Maybe, maybe it's a song that you've been holding on to. M maybe it's just somebody came and prophesied over your life and said, this is going to happen in your life. You're holding on to that. So when the enemy's trying to get you to doubt that promise and doubt that dream and doubt the, the purpose that God has for your life, you're going to have to draw out of your spirit. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of or from the mouth of God. So you and I can combat doubt and we can cancel unbelief by simply quoting and testifying, this is what God says. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how much time has gone in between the promise. This is what God says. I'm going to believe it, and it's going to come to pass in my life. That's the weapon that you and I use to overcome doubt and unbelief. By the way, that you realize that unbelief is a choice. I choose not to believe. That's unbelief. And so flip the coin and simply say, I choose to believe. That's faith. I choose to believe everything that God has said concerning my life. So wilderness temptation, which is doubt and unbelief, are overcome by the word of God. Feed your faith and starve your doubt. Feed your faith and starve your doubt. Now, if dealing with the devil is not enough in this whole appointment process, you also have to deal with life's disappointments. Um... Has everything worked out the way you thought it would? Just, just checking, make sure I'm not the only one. Has everything gone according to your plan? Well, you, we need to be thankful. You know why? Because God's ways are better than our, our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's, God's plan is better than our plan. And maybe, just maybe, our plan wasn't God's plan. And God says, if you do that, you're going to miss my purpose and my plan for your life. And so I'm thankful that that, that uh, not everything has gone according to my plan, right? So I want you to imagine this with me. Not only is David running from Saul, he's running from an adversary, but 
I want you to just think how David's feeling right here. Because in his mind, David is beginning to wonder some things here. Because the clock is ticking on David. Um, David at this time is around 30 years old. But when Samuel anointed David king, David was between 13 and 15 years of age. How many of you know that God can call us from a very early age, right? He doesn't wait until we turn 21 or whatever to call us. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah said he called me in my mother's womb. So, so David's between 13 and 15 when Samuel anoints him to be and prophesies over him, you're going to be the next king of Israel. So David has gone through 13 to 15 years of just, you know, not seeing that fulfillment, not seeing that promise, not, not having that dream materialize and manifest in his life. And so he's wondering, you know, is this thing ever going to happen? Is this prophecy ever going to come to pass? And so the question then becomes, church, is this. How can God say one thing and my circumstance, circumstance say something entirely different? I mean, this is what God says, but when I, look at, when I look at what's going on in my life and I look at the circumstances and I look at everything that's going on in my life, the two just don't seem to mix because time and circumstance have a way of getting us to question the dream and the purpose that God has for our life. Because when you get to this place, you begin to question, did I really hear God? I don't know about you, but I've been in those places before especially when I've been in that wilderness season in my life where I'm wondering, man, God, where are you? I don't sense you. I, 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 can't, I can't feel you, right? And we don't go by our feelings. We don't go by our senses. We walk by faith and not by... And so a lot of times when God wants to increase our faith, he will decrease our sight. He really will. So that we have to trust him and depend upon him and lean upon him. And I've been to those points and times in my life, many times where I'm questioning, God, I'm out here, and now I mean, I'm too far out. I can't even go back now. And God, you know, I'm going to look like a big fool if you don't come through for me. And here's the point. The point is simply this. If you can accomplish the dream on your own, then it's not a God dream. If you can do it within your own ability, then it's not from God. Because a God dream has a God-sized uh, uh, a mantle attached to it. In other words, it's going to require God in order for it to come to pass. Do you understand that, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. But there are times you'll get in a place where you'll begin to question God. It's the wilderness of Perrin. You'll begin to question God. And you're at the place of disappointment because what you were or what you're experiencing doesn't line up with what you were expecting. Right? I was expecting this. I'm experiencing that. And the two just seem to be at the exact opposite ends of each other. And so uh, I'm believing, God, this was going to happen. And now this is happening in my life. And so let me just say this. If the exact opposite is happening in your life than what you were expecting to happen in your life, you're closer than you really think. You really are. You're closer than you, than you really think. Um, just don't become impatient. Don't, don't get like Abraham did. God gave Abraham a promise. He said, from you, there will become a promise. I'm going to birth a nation out of you, a promised son. Just be patient. Well, 
When Abraham got that word from the Lord, he was 75 years old. So now Abraham is close to 100. He's 99 years old, right? Back up a little bit. And he says, I don't think this thing's ever going to come to pass. I know God said I was going to have a child. I'm 100. Sarah's, mm, she's old <laughs> or older. And um, so, so this is where we say, okay, God, let me help you out. Anybody ever been there? Let me help you out, God. Uh, I believe this is what you said, but I, I think you need some help, God. So we're just going to produce an Ishmael. We're going to produce something in our flesh. And if you produce it in your flesh, it's going to be a mess. As a matter of fact, Israel is still dealing with Ishmael today. 4,000 years later, still dealing with that problem today. And so you and I could take matters into our own hands because time and circumstance have a way of getting us to lose hope. So you have to wait on Isaac. Say, wait on Isaac. Come on, don't, don't fall asleep on me. Come on, stay up, stay up. Wait on Isaac. If you're the children of Israel, you're going to go through a wilderness before you go into your promised land. Now, the wilderness was only supposed to take 14 days, right? I'm, I'm going to give you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to take you into that land. But in order for you to get to that land, you've got to walk through this wilderness. And it, while you're walking through this wilderness, I can't have you doubting. And I can't have you not believing that I'm going to take you into that land. Because when they got into the wilderness, what happened? They doubted. They didn't believe. And guess what happened? They ended up wandering in that wilderness for 40 years. And they never entered into their promise. Never entered into it. So you can't take matters into your own hands. If, if you're Jacob, you're going to get Leah before you get Rachel. Sorry, it's going to get ugly before it gets pretty. I'm sorry, I'm just using the Bible. Okay. Right? <laughs> Help him, Jesus. Okay. So there are those sitting here today, and you're questioning things like, you know, God, I thought I'd be further along here. I thought I'd be further along in life. I thought my family would be further along, God. I thought, I thought by now this business, Lord, would have taken off. I thought by now, God, I'd be operating in the calling that you have for my life. I thought by now my career would have blossomed by now. Here's all I can tell you. The promises of God are yes and amen. Let every man be a liar. But the promises of God are yes and amen, regardless of what it looks like or what it feels like. You can't go by your feelings. Because they'll play tricks on you. You have to go by your spirit. In other words, you can't have that dream up here. You have to have that dream right here. It has to be in your heart. It has to be in your spirit. Because if it's in your head, you'll talk yourself out of that dream. But if it's in your spirit, if it's in your heart, if it's in your knower, anybody know what I'm talking? Anybody have a knower? I can't explain it to you. I can't put it down on paper for you. I just know that I know that I know that I know that it's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't know how, but I just know. And that's just holding on by faith. That's walking by faith and believing in your knower that it will come to pass. And I have a leg to stand on because this is what God said would happen in my life. Nudge your neighbor and tell him it's just time. 
Don't allow your circumstance to rob you of your dream. Don't allow it. I have a few more minutes. Let's talk about John the Baptist for a minute. John the Baptist grew up with Jesus, all right? He hung out with Jesus. John the Baptist had the, had the privilege of introducing Jesus. That's why the Bible said he was the greatest of all the prophets. The reason that John was the greatest of all the prophets is because all the other prophets prophesied He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. John was the prophet that said, behold, the Lamb of God, he's right here. In other words, we're not waiting on him, he's here, he's among us. That's why John was the greatest of all the prophets. He was the one who literally set Jesus forth in ministry. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He was there, he was the one who baptized Jesus. He was there when Jesus came up out of the water. He witnessed the Spirit descend on Jesus. He heard the Father's voice say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. How many of you know that's an awesome, unforgettable moment to be in that moment? But watch this. John, later on in life, finds himself in prison. Right? He's in prison. And John calls some of his disciples and he said, I want you to go ask Jesus this question. Are you the one or should we look for another? Wait a minute. Grew up with him, set him forth in ministry, baptized him, saw the spirit descend, heard the father's voice. Are you the one or should we wait for another? What's changed? Why question now? Let me tell you what's changed. His circumstance has changed. Why? Because now he's looking through the prison bars. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, you go tell John this. He said, you tell, them, tell John that the blind see and the lame walk Tell him that the deaf hear. Tell John that the kingdom of God is being preached wherever we go. In other words, you tell John that I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You let John know that I don't change. Even though your circumstances change, you let John know that I do not change. In other words, tell John not to allow his circumstances to change his view of me. Tell John not to allow his circumstances, uh, not to allow the circumstances to change his mind about me. And I'm just telling you, don't let your circumstance change your mind about what God said and what God said he was going to do through you and what God promised you. I don't care what your circumstance looks like. Don't let it change what God promised you. A good place to praise him right there. Just don't let it change it. So what do you do when, when your expectation doesn't match your reality? You can't allow your circumstance to incarcerate your mind. In other words, don't get locked into this particular moment of your life. All right? You're just in a temporary circumstance. Don't incarcerate. Don't lock yourself into that moment. 
Seasons change. Time changes. Circumstance changes. God never changes, right? So what you need to do is you need to find someone else who is expecting. Because the angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Now, I'm, 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 I'm telling you how we, can, how we can work through this. The angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says this, you're highly favored, you're blessed, and God's going to use you to conceive his son, and you're going to give birth to Jesus. How can this be? I don't know a man. I've never been intimate with anybody. In other words, my circumstance does not line up with this promise. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and overshadow you. In other words, what's going to happen is going to be supernatural. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. And the next thing that Mary does is what? Mary then goes and she visits a relative by the name of Elizabeth. Why? Because the angel told Mary that Elizabeth was expecting as well. So this is the time and season in your life when you're wondering and you're beginning to doubt and your circumstance doesn't line up with your, with your promise, you need to get around other people who are expecting to. You need to get yourself around other people who have a promise. You need to get around other dreamers. You need to get around other people that are carrying the promise of God in their heart and in their spirit. Why? Because when you get with them, what happened with uh, Elizabeth and Mary? As soon as Mary walked in the room, the babe in Elizabeth leaped. In other words, when you get around people that are expecting, your dream will begin to leap on the inside of you as well. You can't get around the naysayers and you can't get around the doubters and you can't get around the... Find somebody who's expecting. Find somebody who's believing God for something in their life. You two hook up and watch and see what God will do in your life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that dream will begin to manifest. That dream will become a reality and you'll sense a stirring in your spirit. Yeah, yeah, God's going to do it. It's going to come to pass. The promises of God are yes and amen. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give God praise. I close with this. I'm preaching off of two songs today, Dream On, and number two, Don't Stop Believing. I've told you all along, I'm a product from the 80s. So if I can't get you with a scripture, I will get you with a song. By the way, just a little bit of a side note. Um, what's the guy's name? Uh, he just married Paula White. Jonathan Cain. By the way, you know where that song came from? Jonathan Cain wrote that song. And Jonathan Cain was 18 years old and he was living in California. And he was by himself. And he was, he was, you know, trying to get in the music industry. He was trying. He had this dream in his heart. He, he believed, you know, this was his purpose. This was his calling. And nothing was working out for him. And he called his dad. And he said, Dad, I think I'm going to come home. And his dad said, well, why, why are you coming home? And he said, it's not working out for me. Nothing's happening for me. And this is what his dad told him. His dad told him, son, don't stop believing and that night he went to the piano and he wrote that song. And later he hooked up with Steve Perry. I was just testing you to make sure you guys know who I'm talking about. Don't stop believing. Just because your circumstance doesn't line up with what you know is in your heart. 
It's just a matter of time, and it's going to happen. And this is where David's at in his life. And as a matter of fact, Abigail really spares David from throwing away his dream. Aren't you thankful that God brings people in our life that keep us from throwing it all away? Abigail knows what's about to happen. And she intercedes, not only for her family, but she intercedes for David. And she stops David from making a major, major mistake in his life. And this is what she says to him. When the Lord has done all the good things he's promised you and has made you king of Israel, you won't want the conscience of a murderer who took the law into his own hands. In other words, you're going to get there, David, but you don't want all this baggage when you get there. You don't want to have to live with the guilt and the shame of the mistake of being impatient and taking matters into your own hands. Let God take care of your enemies. She went on to talk about that. You don't have to worry about that. You just understand that the Lord is going to do great things for you. And when he does, not if, but when, just remember me. Just remember me. And I just stopped by to carry the spirit of Abigail to you today and to encourage you to let you know when God has done all the good things he promised you. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I do know it will happen if God said it would. When God has done all the good things that he's he said about you and the great things he's going to do for you. Just remember, God is faithful. And I want to encourage you today to hold on to that dream. Keep believing. Keep dreaming. Don't throw it away. Don't mess it up. Don't try to take matters into your own hands. I don't care if you've been waiting 10 years, 15 years, 20, I don't care how long you've been waiting. It will come to pass. Amen? It will come to pass. I want you to stand with me this morning. You remember the picture I showed you an hour ago of the building? Put that up, Shannon, if you would, please. I'm always dropping something on those guys back there to like, Pastor, why are you doing this to me? Some of you in this building know this. Some of you don't. This... God put in my heart 15 years ago. This church, that's just a vehicle. This church, God put in my heart 15 years ago. And there were times where I took matters into my own hands and tried to create this. And then I had to have God come back and clean up my mess. But aren't you think he's thankful that he's gracious and long-suffering 
and will help us in our mistakes to overcome those things. So this has always been in my heart. It's been a dream. It's always been here. God promised us this 15 years ago. He spoke to our hearts. There was a prophecy that was given. I could break it out and read it to you today. There was a prophecy that was given. And there were days and times I, I would wonder, is this thing ever going to happen? Is this ever going to come to pass? I mean, 15 years, and God, do you realize I'm not getting any younger? <laughs> so if nothing else, just let this be a reminder that the promises of God are yes and amen. This is a God dream. This is a God vision. This is the time and the place for the purpose of God. I'm just going to say it. I'm in my sweet spot right here, right now. And I give God all the praise and all the glory. So I want you to join hands with that person you're beside right now. Father, I don't know who in this room needs to be reminded of your promise. But I speak to it now. Just like Abigail spoke to the king and David. She didn't see just his circumstance. She saw his future. And I speak not to the circumstance, but I speak to the future. And I speak, Father, not Lord, right now that every dream that seems to be dormant and every dream that seems to be buried, every dream that seems to be gone, every vision, every purpose, God, that maybe someone's given up on, I speak to it right now and I call it forth in the mighty name of Jesus. I call it forth in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that we would leave this room encouraged today. And I pray that we would leave this room, God, expecting today. Expecting, God, in spite of our circumstances, expecting, Lord, for your will to be accomplished in our lives. I pray this week that we would carry the spirit of Abigail, that we would speak to people, that we would, we would prophesy over them and that we would speak to their dream and that we would encourage them in their situation, encourage them to keep believing and to keep dreaming. And we'll never cease to give you the praise nor the glory for it. It is in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray and it is in his name that we believe. Amen and amen and amen. Hey, we love you. We thank God for you. Don't stop believing. If I could sing it, I would. We'll see you right back here next week at The Point. Have a happy, happy Thanksgiving.